All right, well, if you're here and you're familiar with um, not, just, not just the Anglican church calendar, but just the church calendar as a whole, you may be familiar with what today is. Well, what is today? Oh, it's already up there. Wow. Maureen, it's up there. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost is the 50 days after what? Easter, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what today is. And Pentecost is typically, uh, typically we talk about uh, the Pentecost when the Spirit came upon the apostles, descending on them like fiery tongues, and they did what? Spoken tongues. Amen. They spoke in tongues. And that's typically what we talk about when it comes to Pentecost or Pentecost Sunday. And today we're going to talk a little bit about it, but we're going to talk a, a little bit more about the purpose of not just speaking in tongues, but all the gifts of the Spirit. What does God purpose the gifts of the Spirit for? Because it's not just to have great experiences. It's not just to be... That wasn't a question, uh, uh, Jason. All right, man. Come on. Okay. That was rhetorical. But no, I really appreciate you guys letting me, letting me mess with you. I really do appreciate you guys... Um, getting my, my sense of humor and not being offended. And if you are offended, please reach out to Drew at RedeemerATL.org. Okay? But we're going to talk about how the gifts are made um, for more than just experiences. And that's our main idea this morning. If you go ahead and go to that next slide, Anna. The ministry of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, are for the edification and the unity of believers. Okay? That's what the gifts of the Spirit are given for. And we're going to go um, take a pretty deep dive into that. So we're going to be coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 13. We're going to read, we'll pray together, and then we will jump in. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd like to turn there, or you can just follow along on the screen up here. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 13. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And this is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me, friends. Dear Lord, I, I do thank you again so much for the opportunity to be before my, my friends, my brothers and sisters this morning. I, I don't take for granted, God, I really do not take for granted the opportunity to be with these particular people in this place and um, to have the privilege to share your word. Lord, I just pray that you would be pleased. 
to be with us in very special ways, in a very special way through this sermon, that you would grant us all soft hearts to receive what it is you're saying to us, have ears to hear, to understand. Lord, I do pray, Jesus, that you would grant me clarity of speech. And Lord God, with a great deal of clarity and conviction, I pray that your word would go forth and you would grant Holy Spirit and his effectual power that it would accomplish in every heart and in mind exactly what you sent it to accomplish. Your word, Lord. Lord, even as it is Pentecost Sunday, Holy Spirit, as we've sung and as we prayed, I pray again, Lord, would you come? Would you pour yourself out upon us and within us? And Lord, would you bring about in each and every one of us and us all together exactly what it is you came to do in the first place? To edify us. Lord, would you save us? Would you unify us? Please, Lord, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise because indeed you are worthy. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And so before I get into the sermon this morning, I want to give you a little bit of my background and you, you may be familiar with it. But I became a Christian in a Pentecostal church. And I mean old school Pentecostal, where like every single gift was in action every single Sunday. OK, so I have been a part of speaking in tongues and there's the interpretation Okay, I've gone to the revivals and I've gone to the healing services and and I've, I mean, I've been a part of the charismatic worship services where there was every Sunday at least one person who danced around the entire service. I mean, the entire service, whether you were preaching, whether the offering was being taken up. I've been at the service where people are slain in the spirit and you got to get the sheets out. How many of you guys know about that kind of Pentecostal experience? Okay, so this is where I became a Christian, okay? And then, furthermore, I was trained in a Bible college that's associated with the International Pentecostal Holiness Church. If the name doesn't give it away, this is a Pentecostal school where I was, right? We were taught, we were trained that the way you knew you had the Holy Spirit was that you experienced and exercised some form of the gift of the Spirit. If it wasn't speaking in tongues, it was prophecy, it was something, okay? Now, I say all of this to say, as we go into this sermon, I want you to understand that I am not, big word, a cessationist, okay? What that means is that I am not one of those people, as your pastors, as another brother in the Lord, who believes that God is no longer at work in these very miraculous and great ways. I believe that God does and will still act in these ways whenever there's faith and need to do so. Okay? I believe that. All right? Now, with all of that said, I think that we as a church, and I'm not saying Redeemer particularly, I mean Big C Church, we as a church have mistakenly looked at this particular passage we've just read and passages like it as either an affirmation of or even a prohibition against the experience or exercise of spiritual gifts, okay? That's not what Paul is getting. As a matter of fact, what Paul is telling the Corinthians here is to, hey, forget about all of that. Paul, you see, 
in the Corinthians, the Corinthians are these ancient people that Paul writes this letter to, there was this preoccupation or, or unhealthy overvaluing of the spiritual gifts. Right? They had this idea that whoever ex- ex- experienced, the, experienced the spiritual gifts, that they were somehow more spiritual, more holy than other people. And so there were divisions and factions and things like that. And Paul's writing this letter to stop that, to say, hey, stop. Because it's not about the gifts themselves, but it's about what God is doing through these things. And what God means for these gifts is that when they happen, what should happen among you is your edification. It should be your unity. But the exact opposite was happening among them. They were being divided. They They were having infighting. They were valuing some people over above others. But it's not just about the gift or giftedness. It's about the gifts that God ultimately offers us through the Spirit's work in us, and that's our unity and that's our growth. If any experience, brothers and sisters, of any of the gifts of the Spirit do not end in the edification and unity of the body, then listen to this, friends. It's likely not a gift of the Spirit. It's actually an exercise in futility. Isn't this what Paul says? He says, if I speak in the tongues of angels and have not love, then I am what? Nothing. The book of Ecclesiastes, excuse me, of, yeah, it is Ecclesiastes, he says, futility. And so this morning, I believe that it's three things that Paul teaches here, the Corinthians about the gifts, and I believe it's three things he wants to teach us about it. And the first is this, that the gifts of the Spirit are about God and his power at work in us, and it's not about us. Okay, the gifts of the Spirit are not about us. Now, here's the thing. I don't know. If I'm, I'm going to say this, and I'm pretty sure it's true for all of us. We all love gifted people. Isn't that right? We all love especially gifted preachers, when you, the once in a blue moon, when you actually have them here. We all love gifted people, right? I take, for example, cornhole. How many of you guys like cornhole? Corn, man. Matt raised his hand, and I was like, yep. Matt is, Drew, raise your hand. Drew is a cornhole guy. These two men have something in common. I'll let you figure it out. Brian back there, they all have something in common. I'll let you figure it out. Did none of you guys get that? Good looking men. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Now listen, cornhole is fun and everything like that, but I got to be honest. I've never walked past a club or or a a bar or something where they were playing cornhole and I was like, man, I got to stop and watch this cornhole game. Oh man, right? You're not fascinated by it. It's You know, but I found this new thing on TV. It's a cornhole, it's a professional cornhole league. Now, if I'm honest, I had to stop and watch that because these guys are really, really good. And there's something about people just being really good, really gifted at a thing. Even if it's not the most exciting thing in the world, when someone's really good at it, you have to stop and watch. For example, power walking or walking. I've seen... People power walk and walk all the time. I do a little bit of it myself, actually. I've never stopped and saw someone walking a power walk and was like, oh, look at that. Right? That doesn't happen. 
But did you know that power walking is an Olympic sport? And when I found this out, I had to watch. These people are gifted, very gifted at something as simple as power walking. Have you ever seen it? I would demonstrate the power walking skills for you, but they barricaded me in this morning, so all I could do is walk in a very tight circle around us this morning. But just know, I'm pretty, I'm a beast at the power walking. I can, I can do it. Should probably look into it. The Olympics, maybe. That'll be my thing. But we all love gifted people, right? Same thing goes for professional musicians. We love to hear good musicians. We love to, to hear good, to see good chefs and actors. There's so many incredibly gifted people out there. And here's the thing. It's right. It's a good thing to honor people when they're gifted like that. It's good. It's, it, there's absolutely nothing wrong about that. But here's the thing. This is not how we deal with spiritual gifts. Okay? When somebody wins the championship, when they're really good, they excel at a thing, go ahead and give them a ring. Okay, go ahead and give them the cup. I, I played, um, uh, Jacob knows this, I played, I was, I was drafted actually this past week to play in the 116 Reach Records basketball thing. And uh, you best believe your boy came home with that chip. You best believe. Jacob came to me and Jacob was like, hey man, no, no pressure. It was like halftime. It was like, no pressure. And I was like, bro, you looking at the scoreboard man? You got your guys been out here balling, man. They're playing, man. And the next day I was walking like this. Well, it was well worth it. But it's nothing wrong, friends, with honoring gifted people, with them winning championships, with them winning those things. But understand that this is not the way we deal with the spiritual gifts. This is not the way we deal with the gifts of the spirit. When someone experiences or exercises a gift of the Spirit, all acclaim and all awards need to be given to the Lord God and not to people. Listen to what Paul says in, in, in this passage in verses 4 and 5. He says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in everyone. In other words, brothers and sisters, listen, there are a lot of gifts and a lot of people who experience them, but it is God. When we talk about spiritual gifts, it is God who is ultimately at work through those people with those gifts. The spiritual gifts are not a matter of working hard at them. Okay, the spiritual gifts are not a matter of working hard at them. Understand this, Peter and the apostles did not attend a speaking in tongues class before the day of Pentecost. Okay, they didn't sit around saying, let's work at this. Let's learn this. On the day of Pentecost, God miraculously gifted them with this so that over 3000 people heard the gospel preached in their native tongue and came to believe all glory be unto God and not to these men. God was doing a miraculous work through them for the sake of his glory. And really quickly, I understand that some of my theologians are thinking, but what is, what is it when, when Paul says that we are to give double honor to those who serve? Should, should we not say thank you to the preachers and those who serve well among us? Yes, friends, you should. You should. 
honor, honor your, the servants among you. Um, um, be grateful for the gifts. Say thank you. All of those things. But understand that what Paul is talking about here is not the things that we do every day. Us up here preaching and teaching and things. He's talking about these very special, these very sporadic gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing, uh, words of wisdom, things that there is no explanation apart from God having done that thing through that person for that particular time and season. So it's not the same as, as the other things that we think about, right? Consider tongues when the apostle spoke. Consider the Old Testament even when Saul King Saul goes and he goes to the, the prophet's cohort and he just stands among them. And what's ha- what happens? He starts prophesying. He wasn't he wasn't a special prophet. He wasn't a special guy. He wasn't one of the prophets in the cohort. He was just there and God just said, go ahead and prophesy, Saul. This is the kind of thing that Paul is talking about here. And friends, listen, it is a mistake to hold people in high esteem simply because they exercise a gift of the spirit. It is a mistake. When we see the gifts of God at work in someone, glorify the Lord. Glorify the Lord, not them. Scholar David Garland, he puts it this way. He says, these gifts are not given as a sign that the recipients are especially spiritual or that they've received a supersized portion of the spirit. If you go to this slide for me, Anna, it's up here. Spirit. The Spirit distributes the gifts according to His sovereign purposes for the common benefit of all and for the unity of the community, and certainly not to foment divisions in the church or to create a first team of select Christians and a second team of also-rans. Lowering the Christian's glamorized estimation of tongues, which has created division, is the ultimate target of this discussion. In other words, put very simply, friends, glorify God for these gifts and not people. Amen? And so here's our second point this morning. The gifts of the Spirit serve the church and not just the individual. In verse 7, the apostle says that the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In other words, the reason that the Lord gives these gifts and manifests himself to us and through us in these ways is for the sake of the body of Christ at large and not for the edification of the individual. Now, One of the blessings of me being a part of Redeemer Community Church and particularly a part of our denomination is that up until this point, I always thought that I had to divorce myself from whatever was my previous Christian experience. And I've been on a journey. So I just told you I got saved in a charismatic church. And then I went from there to more of a Baptist kind of experience. And then I went from there to more of a hardcore reformed, you know, experience. And then I came to Anglicanism, and every time I transitioned, I always thought that whatever, whatever experience I had before, I had to divorce myself from. I had to disavow it. I had to make a podcast and castigate what was wrong about those people, right? And then I came to Anglicanism and realized that there is room for all of us in this big, beautiful body of Christ. And there's room for all of my experience and my faith. There's room for it. And I pray that you feel that same freedom as well. But with all of that said, there was a dark side to my experience in some of my charismatic and Pentecostal churches. There was a dark side. For a long time, I was a part of churches where the gifts were seemingly being experienced and exercised all the time. Here's the problem. Although these gifts were happening all the time, you know what wasn't happening a lot? Godliness. You know what wasn't happening a lot? Salvation. You know what wasn't happening a lot? Unity. 
Every Sunday, somebody was speaking in tongues, and the same people you hear them outside gossiping and backbiting and sowing some kind of discord. What Paul is trying to tell the Corinthians and what he's saying to us here in this verse is that when God chooses to manifest himself among us and through us in the ways listed here, the telltale sign, brothers and sisters, listen, the telltale sign that it is indeed God, the Holy Spirit at work and that these are indeed his gifts is that others will be edified by them. And this is precisely the issue that was prevalent with the Corinthians. And Paul is reminding them, don't be overly preoccupied with this gift, with these gifts, with the mere exercise of them. Hear this, and this is our next slide, Anna. The ultimate result of the gifts is that the body will be encouraged in the Lord and will grow in godliness and goodness in the Lord. We can be assured, brothers and sisters, that whenever these are increasing, the gifts of the Spirit are truly active. And vice versa, friends, we can also be assured that when they, where they are not increasing, where godliness is not growing, where people are not being edified, where people are not being unified, it's not the Spirit at work. We can be assured of that. And here's my final point this morning, friends. The gifts of the Spirit foster unity. In verses 12 through 13, Paul says it like this. He says, For just as the one body, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. And I want us to get this, friends. The words one and same, they are used 15 times in just these nine verses. 15 times in just these verses. And it's not a coincidence. The Corinthians were using the gifts as an opportunity to separate themselves, right? To be dissented among themselves. And Paul is trying to drive this idea home that this separation is contrary to the purposes of the Spirit. Because the purpose of the Spirit, the goal of the Spirit, is their unity. It is the same Spirit working in and through the lives of every believer, of every tribe, of every nation, to bring about one body in the unity of that same Spirit. What this means is that it does not matter your theological tradition this morning, brothers and sisters. It does not matter if you're Pentecostal or Reformed, Anglican or Baptist. It doesn't even matter if you're a cessationist. It doesn't matter if you're a cessationist. It doesn't matter if you're full-on charismatic, if you speak in tongues every single day. It does not matter if dissensions and factions and biases are thriving in your community, then Paul will say to us that it is not the Spirit at work. But where these are increasing, you can bet he is. So it doesn't matter if you're speaking in tongues. It doesn't matter if you're experiencing miraculous healings. You know, some people will never experience a quote-unquote miracle in this life. And it does not matter. The greater, and this is another slide there, Anna, 
The greater and greatest sign of the work of the Spirit in and through us is our increasing love for each other, our encouragement of each other, and our being for one another, so much so that the world will witness it and come to believe in the Jesus that we profess. Close with something I read this week that was pretty encouraging. Um, Andy Stanley, you guys know who that is? Uh, he wrote an article. He was he was uh, he was uh, interviewed by CNN, and uh, he was talking about the state of the evangelical church. And I understand that over the past few years, we all have different views on the evangelical church and all that, and a lot of that is warranted. I'll be honest, but he said some things that were very sobering. And essentially, in a nutshell, what he talked about is the fact that the church is at a crossroads. The church essentially is imploding. And it's imploding because of division. Divisions over things that ultimately, in the long term, just will not matter. And just do not matter. And friends, this is the question for us as we're a part of this church. You may, you may, go ahead and keep saying you're not an evangelical Keep going and saying that and then walk through the doors of a church and see if anybody cares. It includes us. And the world is looking at these divisions and saying, if that is Jesus, I want nothing to do with it. Be careful that you do not find yourself on the extreme of any position, because I promise you that you are not standing where Jesus is. The world will know him by the way that we love each other. And we will love each other if the Spirit is truly at work. And so this Pentecost, we continue to ask for the Lord to pour out his Spirit upon us, even as he did in Pentecost, at Pentecost. Not because we want to be a little bit more spiritual. Not because we want to say that we got a few more miracles happening in the folks across the street. Not that. So that we would truly love each other so that we would truly grow in godliness in such a way that the world outside would look and say, hey, if that's Jesus, then I want some. Give me some of that. Because, friends, I'll tell you this, that's not what they're saying right now. I want people to say, give me some of that. So, again, friends, regardless of your theological tradition, Regardless of how you feel about tongues or prophecy or any of these other gifts, my question for all of us this day is, are we growing in godliness? You may never speak in a tongue in your life. And can I be honest with you? I don't really think it matters all that much. The question I have to ask, are you bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Are we here at Redeemer and in our relationships outside of Redeemer, are we experiencing greater unity or is there greater discord? Lord, pour out your spirit. Lord, pour out your spirit. As on the day of Pentecost, Lord, pour out your spirit. Lord, pour out your spirit that we may be in every way the people that you are calling us to be and so that this world may see and that they may cry out to you, God. Lord, help us not to think about things that don't matter. Oh, Lord, pour out your spirit. 
unify us. Edify us. I want to close by just saying one last thing. You may be here this morning and and you may be like, hey, Pastor Mac, I, I came here this morning and I really didn't know any of that stuff had to do with this church thing, the speaking in tongues or any of that stuff. And and I just want to say I, I get it. I get it. What's really important for you to know is that that Jesus is here this morning. That's what's important for you to know. And if you're here this morning, you came looking for something. I want you to know. Can I just tell you, you came looking for Jesus and he's here. And here's the gospel. Here's the gospel. This is the thing we're called to to preach. The thing we're called to believe is this, right? That he came, he lived the life that we should have lived, but we did not. And indeed we cannot. And then he died the death that we should have died. And he is resurrected to a newness of life, a life everlasting that by believing in him, he invites us to take part in. That's it. That's the big, they ain't speaking in tongues or any of that stuff. It's that right there. That's the story. And if you're here this morning, you say, hey, Pastor Mac, I've never, I've never believed that. I don't, I don't, you know, I just want you to know that today you were invited to believe that this morning. When Jesus died, what he was doing was paying a price for us that we should have paid but didn't pay so that we can be forgiven. And once we put our faith in this, brothers and sisters, we are indeed forgiven. Today we're going to take communion as we do every Sunday. Pastor Drew will lead it. And what we'll do is we'll take a gluten-free wafer. We'll dip it and give it to you. Drew will explain this again. Sorry for double explaining. But what we're doing, friends, is we are taking in by faith what Jesus has done for us. His broken body for us, his blood shed that we might be forgiven, that we might be the sons and daughters of God. This is that memorial. And here today, if this is the first time you've ever come to believe this, I want you, I invite you, please, friend, take of this communion with us. Take of this this broken cracker. Take of this juice. For the rest of us, as we take of it, I want you to consider what we've talked about today. Is the spirit at work in your life, in your community, in our community, edifying and growing us? As we take communion, let it be our cry to him that this would be the case. Lord God, I thank you so much again for these, my friends. And I'd ask again that you would pour your spirit out afresh on us. That, Lord, we would indeed be who you're calling us to be. That the world may see and be saved. In Jesus' name.